meeting is being recorded. Tonight we'll go back in time to seasons past, when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score that would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football History and its memorabilia on the Sports History Network in conjunction with Swick Enterprises, and we're live from the Southport, North Carolina home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats Magazine is the only publication in America that focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150 plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host. He's a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larkin. Yep. He hails from Portland, Oregon. Mr. Joe Squires. Joe, welcome to the show today. Ah, such fervor, Bob. Guess who took their B12 vitamin? I love it. <laughs> think of that, the perfect bookend. Red Grange to Steve Largent, the absolute spanning the history of the NFL. That there's nothing wrong with that at all. That That is, uh, to me, the purity of the game from its infancy <laughs> to the complex nature of what the game has become today, a a, theor a theoretical delight of overcoaching and uh, incredible contracts and hard astroturf and so on and yep. so forth. It's just, it's great. I, I it's love it when they mic up, uh, when, like when coaches get mic'd up and then they play it after the game and, and you just realize how simple it is. It's like, hey, man, you got to cover that guy in the A-gap when he comes <laughs> busting through. Exactly. I mean, it's just so simple where it's like, well, yeah, of oh. course you have to cover that guy. <laughs> great coaching. Do a huddle microphone, and, and uh, you hear somebody like Mahomes say to uh, Kelsey, just go down, or I'm going to pump it up in the air. Yeah, I'll stick my hand out, and just, I'll be yeah. down in the air. Just throw it at me. Yeah, all right. On three. Head towards, head towards the skybox where your girlfriend is, and then take a left at the goal line. Catch, catch it out there. All right, we're going to lead off. We've got a big show today. I'm going to lead off with something. I'm going to hand off to you, Joe. And... Hopefully our audience can see this. It is a PSA 7. What? 1961 Packers Lake to Lake Herb Adderley card. And I, before the show, I was searching the inventory here in the compound. And I found three PSA graded cards. But they're in the news. And Joe, fill us in. Yeah. PSA hits the news last night. They are purchasing SGC in Florida. Uh, the rich get richer and the TPG giants uh, encroach on uh, even further. Uh, yeah, PSA, what did they have? 74% of the grading. Correct. Uh, CSA, I think at uh, 10. I mean, this, I don't know. I mean, uh, you, you know, I don't know. Two points I got to throw in right away. Number one, uh, when you control 85% of the hobby 
Um, so what are we going to do? We're going to have PSA uh, Elite and then PSA Lite. You know, <laughs> PSA Lite is SGC. I don't know. Are we going to keep the two, uh, two uh, you know, um, what's, what's the word? The two grading companies, so we have different slabs, so on and so forth. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, other than the you know they're getting market share, they're controlling market share, and as such, you know that's that's really all they're concerned with. And you know, I can only imagine how much this deal was cut for, and it was basically, in my opinion, and I'll be harsh about it, you're buying some graders that you have in Boca Raton there, uh, you're doing work for PSA. You're buying the SGC brand. Uh, the SGC brand is, you know, very strong in vintage collectors. Uh, PSA has the wrap on modern stuff. I mean, uh, you know, Beckett is mostly modern. Uh, right. What is a CSA is mostly non-sport. So, I mean, here PSA has, has, you know, a smaller market share. I mean, I think SGC has like 25% of the vintage market. Right. So a, a trusted holder, a good-looking holder. Faster turnaround times, better customer service, crappy registry. Uh, they have been promising to fix the SGC registry forever. So perhaps this is the catalyst. I mean, will PSA start accepting SGC cert numbers on the registry? Will you, you know, will, it, will it get a haircut, you know, in the algorithm, you know? Well, uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, it's, you know, I, I don't know what the definition is of monopoly is, but, you know, after the merger, owning you know, 84% of the market share and being able to dictate prices and turnaround times and specials and et cetera. That's quite a bit. Well, I think, I think it's, um, you know, from a pure economics point of view, it was, uh, it was possibly going to happen. I really thought SG, SGC had a pretty nice niche. They were yeah. happy with what they were doing. Uh, they obviously were, were making money one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, now we have uh, a very limited market as far as graded cards are concerned. PSA controls the market. It's uh, not a monopoly market. It would be considered, in economic terms, an oligopoly market where you have uh, one large manufacturer controlling the smaller two and or three. Look at, the, uh, look at the captain. Just put on his instructor hat again. Nice job, Bob. I get that out. You know, teaching economics for 42 years. <laughs> plus. Uh, have to clarify that. But yeah. I don't uh, I, I really, I don't think it's, you know, as much as I really am not a big fan of fanatics taking over the market yeah. the way they have, I'm not really a big fan right now of PSA taking over the market the way they have. And, you know, I know it is what it is, and uh, I, I am powerless. We're all powerless, you know, in the, in the whole scheme of things. I continue to say, uh, again, being a dinosaur in the hobby and being as old as I am in the hobby, I'm glad I really never got sucked into the, the graded card phenomenon. And, you know, it it may cost me down the road. It may not. Who knows? You know, and I, I was talking to a friend of mine about this earlier today, collecting friend. Uh, he only collects baseball. I obviously only collect football. And he says, what would happen if a dealer came in and they took your run of 92 sets and they said, we're going to grade all the keys. We're going to buy your collection. We're going to grade all your keys. We're going to sell off your entire collection. And all we want to do is we'll take a cut of the, of the graded cards. We're going to pay for the grading of it, so on and so forth. And we're just going to take it from there type of thing. And I said, I really don't know. And I said, well, it kind of hurt me 
to see some of my childhood cards having to get slabbed, you know, being entrapped like that, uh, you know, as to me, they almost have a human form, you know, owning them for, you know, over 50, 60 years type of thing. And uh, I, I just, I don't really understand, again, the, uh, I do understand and I don't understand the, the, the whole view of, of the graded situation. So it's, it's mind boggling to me. And, and again, I don't, I'm, I'm not really excited about this merge. Yeah. We're all living in Nat Turner's sandbox. I mean, uh, Dave Foreman, SGC has been so poorly run for so many years. Uh, yep. I mean, Dave Foreman, it is his hobby. I mean, I, we, I literally think he bought it, you know, you know, whatever the 15 years ago, you know, to get expedited uh, grading and, you know, wink, wink grades on his personal collection. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it, it's sad to see it go. Obviously both companies are privately held, so we'll never know the terms of when it got sold. But I, I think SGC should have, should have been, I mean, there's the people have, you know, talked about it for a long time. A group of hobbyists should buy SGC, right. turn it around, fix the registry, uh, make, make it a spin towards, you, you know, being more hobby friendly, uh, you know, et cetera. And it, it should be privately owned. Right. I mean, uh, you know, by someone who cares about it, not folding it into the brand to gobble up another 10 points of market share. SGC used to be a big advertiser for uh, Gridiron Greats for years. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, when they had the when they had the changeover there several years back, they dropped all, all their print ads. So it was it was pretty major. And uh, you know, the limited conversations I had with Dave over the years, you know, he was pretty adamant about it. He said, "I'm I'm dropping all print." You know, and that's it. You know, yeah. Um, well, and you wanted to you wanted to talk about something else. Oh my! Heritage auctions closed yeah. on a Saturday. There are some heavy hitters in there. I'm just going to talk about a couple things. Okay. We don't like to talk about little white round ball, you know, where you hit it with a stick game. But a PSA 8.5 1952 tops Mickey Mantle sold for $2.37 million with the buyer's premium. Wow. Oh. Almost doubled the previous all-time record. FGC uh, 100 Walter Payton rookie card, 1976 tops, number four, four uh, 148. Uh, sold for seventy five thousand. That includes uh, premium. That's an SGC one hundred pristine. And wow. there you see, you know, SGC one hundreds actually carry a higher premium than PSA tens, just because they're a little more strict to get that extra bump. So seventy five thousand, nearly double what a PSA ten would sell for. And then I brought this up in the last show, but there were two competing uh, PPG labels: uh, the nineteen eighty one. Joe Montana rookie card. There was a PSA 10 in this auction, side by side with a BGS pristine 10, 10 in all four touches. And uh, the BGS 10 was leading the PSA 10 and the last show. And you said, up oh, PSA will catch up. Well, actually, BGS increased their lead. The PSA 10 Joe Montana rookie card sold for 40,000. The BGS 10 went for over double. Hundred and two thousand. Wow, that that is shocking to me. So there is obviously a premium to you know to the little nuances when like SGC very rarely puts that you know one hundred on a grade, and then BGS very rarely adds that 10, 10, 10, 10 pristine ten. So I can see a double premium uh, assigned to that. So there's niches 
within the hobby. PSA isn't the overlord of TPG and when it comes to certain higher end cards. Well, you know, uh, one, one, one quick question to, to throw out, and I was thinking about this before the show, is there going to be premiums now even more so for any SGC 100s in the market that Ooh. remaining, are they not going to be broken out? They're just going to be, you know, we're going to, you know, pay tribute to SGC and keep them that way. Very good question. I, I hadn't thought of that, but I, I, obviously there's a premium on it right now because the Walter Payton rookie card pristine 100 went for nearly double what a PSA 10 does. So, yeah, I guess once the supply runs out, once there is no more pristine 100, obviously there will be a premium to it. That makes sense. Yeah, hadn't thought about it. Right. And I think that's yeah. where I think that's where it's going to be a lot of hot action going on, uh, especially from maybe uh, speculators or investors who are, who bought up those hundreds. They're saying, hey, now's the time, you know, hit the hit the fire when it's hot and, and see what you can get for them type of thing. You, you heard it here first. Hot football card action in the SGC 100 uh, era from Bob Swick. Uh, some un uh, some unopened uh, sold, which set records. 1967 tops uh, cello box. 36 unopened cello packs went for 72k. Wow, wow. that that's a, that one's that's big. That's 2,000 a cello pack. And then uh, the the next year, the sophomore year, 1968 tops cello box with 36 unopened cello packs went for 99,000. So nearly 3,000 a pack. So uh, unopened, very, very hot. And I just wanted to give a honorable mention to uh, a Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl ring that went for 26K. And then some things I was watching really tight. I really, I didn't mention it in the last show because I don't like to out auctions I'm tracking. Right. But an uncut sheet from 1966 tops. I've never seen one before. Um, and uh, so very rare. Went for fourteen thousand, including buy, buyer's premium. So obviously, there's some other people out there, some other football card collectors who are really hot on uncut sheets because never oh, seen one. It went for obviously, obviously, you didn't pick up that sheet, though. No, no, just like that. I, I like, I like sleeping in my own bed, not on my couch. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, something I'd mentioned: nineteen sixty-three Fleer football wax pack box. So not not the two cellos I mentioned. Twenty-four nineteen sixty-three. Unopened packs in the box, two hundred and four thousand. Wow, wow, two hundred and four thousand, which is about eighty five hundred a pack. Wow, so they're unopened, BBCE graded or uh, authenticated. Obviously, is absolutely hot. So, That's shocking. That is absolutely shocking. Wow, yeah. wow. There you go. Some some stuff definitely, uh, definitely rising prices and unopened. Uh, so obviously the market trust, you know, Steve Hart's label. So we got to, we got to, just to wrap this up, and and we're going to get into get with our special guests. Three points I got to I got to reiterate here: watch SBC one hundreds in the market. Continue unopened wax that has been sealed by our good friend Steve, and also watch uncut sheets. Your favorite, your forte. Don't to, watch uncut sheets. Don't watch. I'm sorry. Ignore. Watch, watch Joe Montana rookie cards. <laughs> ignore those uncut sheets, so that especially those 35 chickle sheets that are floating, <laughs> and the 1896 mayos that are out there. 
those sheets. Yeah. Look at you. Wow, what an introduction. I, I am I'm good thing I'm sitting down because this this information <laughs> to, to handle all at once here. Yeah. Our special guest is here. I'd like to introduce him to our audience and, and conduct our interview. Our special guest has been collecting football cards since 1973. When at the tender age of five years, he used his birthday money from his grandma to buy a shoebox full of football cards at a local yard sale. He was immediately hooked. He spent his weekly allowance on cards. The collection helped him to learn how to count, read, memorize, organize, and collate. He even improved his artistic skills by studying and drawing pictures of his favorite players. As an adult, card collecting is very important to him as he loves the thrill of the chase. The excitement of finding what he needs or has to have. He loves the smell and feel of raw cards and focuses on trying to build raw sets. He has no hesitation in cracking open a slab. He owns one of the first complete sets of 1977 Topps Mexican football cards ever built that are straight from Mexico City, Mexico. Completed in 1978, it is in an excellent condition and is a surviving piece of football history, a time machine that mirrors what millions of other kids in the United States were doing at the same exact time, collecting, building, collating, and chewing gum. I love that. We hail from Southwest Colorado. I'd like to welcome to the show Mr. Paul Centaur. Paul, <laughs> thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking time out of your day. And joining us. Look at that backdrop. That is outstanding. I did I did stage that for everybody. And I Look did you. showing off. Wow. With the things that I really love uh, in yeah. my play. Absolutely. Uh, outstanding. Well done. You know, I wanted to say something real quick. In in the last issue of Gridiron Greats, there's a picture of a of uh, one of the tops Mexicans that's featured there, and it's a wrong back. Noah Jackson on the front from the Bears, and on the back, yeah. Steve Largent's rookie card. That, oh. act, yeah, and that in fact is one of the cards from the Medina set that we're going to be talking about here. Um, oh, interesting! I, when I was when I received the cards and I was looking through them, I saw that and I turned it over and I said, "Wait a second, something's really strange about this." Now I don't have the card anymore. I passed it on to Jim Ragsdale as a favor because he has. Because he is the guru, and he has a huge collection of these wrong backs and strange cards. Yep. So I thought it would be apropos to add it to his collection. With the caveat that if he ever dares to sell it, he has to bring it back to me. So anyway. that card, Paul, and you saw the perfect yeah. words. The receptor abierto, wide yeah. receiver. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want to hear. I mean, that's what we need more in the hobby. You know, if you hand yeah. something to somebody... You hand it back if, if you have to sell it uh, type of situation. That's right. Sure. sure. Oh, welcome to the program, first of all. And I want you to please tell us about how you got interested in football card collecting. Well, as you said, as you said in the introduction, uh, I was five years old. I was at a yard sale. I saw the box of cards and it just sparked my interest. I took them home. I organized them. They ranged in years from maybe 65 up to 72 wow. and they were loved. There wasn't anything special about them, but they were all football and I laid them out and I tried to organize them based upon what they looked like as far as the years and everything. And I figured it out on my own. And uh, 
I was just so enamored with them and I loved them so much. They were my favorite. I would say they were probably my favorite toy. So um, I'm a foreign service brat, State Department kid. I grew up all over the world. Uh, my dad worked for the State Department. So we were stationed in uh, Honduras and Panama in the mm. mid 70s. And after Virginia, uh, after I bought that that yard sale box of, of cards, we were uh, we were in um, we were in Panama and it was show and tell day at school. And a kid, he was probably I think he was Mexican. His father was one of the engineers at the Canal Zone and he brought in a handful of cards and they were the top Mexicans. I looked wow. at him and I said, hmm, those are interesting. Those are cool. And I remember, you know, I said, I have some cards, but they're not in Spanish. And so when I got back to the States in 78, I attacked and began buying cards again with, with my, with my allowance. I purchased uh, the 77 set as much as I could. I purchased the 78 set and just built and built and built and built and, built and kept going through them. And the idea of the tops Mexicans went on the back burner. And I just never really thought about them again because it was just one of those things that you see in a, passing fancy and you never see again at least that's what i thought so fast forward we got stationed in in uh cairo from 81 to 85 cairo wow. egypt and i'm standing in line at the commissary which is the grocery store at the embassy standing in line at the commissary i look to the right uh and there is a box of 1981 tops football cards and i'm thinking wow i should buy a couple i had a dollar in my pocket i bought four packs or five packs whatever it was and I pulled a Montana rookie out of it. And, yes. and, yeah. and I said to myself, wow, okay. Paul, you just put a bow on the entire show. Right. <laughs> it's drawing, it, football cards are drawing me back in. They're drawing me back in. At the same time, of course, I discovered girls. And I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, this is much more important to me. And so I put the cards in the back. <laughs> Years go by. I'm, I'm in college. I went uh, along with a friend who loved to go to those, to, uh, to pack bust at the local collecting store and he would stand there with his friends and they would try to get their the best cards out of it i wasn't interested i gravitated towards the uh towards the display cases of vintage cards and i looked in there and i immediately saw a i think it was a 71 chris hamburger and oh. it reminded me of what was in that box that i bought when i was at the yard sale because i had that card and i looked at it and, and I the said, box is long gone the box is long gone by now the contents of it or do you, so did what you hang I, on to I kept them till about 10 years ago. And like all collectors, I decided to pass them on to another young collector in the hopes that it would inspire that, that kid as much as it inspired me to begin the collection. So Boy, sisterhood of the traveling pants part two. Right. Nice job. Perfect. <laughs> so I passed them on and I told him, don't worry, these are well-loved. And there was all sorts of really great cards in there. It was just that they were well-loved and, and, you know, collectors today won't look at them twice because they're well-loved. So, so uh, I was drawn back in by the Chris Hamburger, Hamburger uh, rookie, or not rookie card, but the 71 card. And I said to myself, uh, well, here we go again. And this was uh, mid-90s. And within a couple of years, I discovered the Mexicans online. eBay was in its infancy. It was easy yeah. to buy. It was easy to buy stuff on, on eBay. It was safe. And I just began... Uh, collecting again and realizing that this was my calling and this is what I loved to do. It made me happy. Now, I think you, both of you can probably understand this. 
uh, trying to explain to someone, a loved one, a girlfriend, a wife, <laughs> trying to justify <laughs> purchases and trying to justify what you spend and then explaining to them, well, honey, it's a piece of cardboard and it's got this guy and it's a favorite thing and it's so awesome and I love it and it's great. I love the way it smells and the way it feels and yeah, it's just awesome. And she'll look at me and yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why, that's how I got into it and that's why I love it. And that's why I love football cards. And and also I said that I love cracking cracking cases. I won't hesitate. I love SGC. I think their presentation is much better than PSA, but I will crack a case in a, in a heartbeat. Unless, of course, it's like a really high grade, really yeah. nice card, and it just looks great. And I'll just leave it in there. But yeah. most of the time, I'll I mean, crack don't crack any 100s, whatever you do. I've never even seen a one. This morning, <laughs> right now, they are going to go through. Do not crack them open. So, yes. What, what a great I, story. That, that is so cool. Yeah. So I think it's all about uh, paying it forward. Maybe not paying it forward, but but uh, trying to treat collectors as you would want to be treated. You know, golden rule, I guess you could apply it here. I still, you know, I just want other people to be as enthusiastic about it as I am. Um, I have a friend who's turning 60 next week, and I just casually asked him what his favorite players were. And um, I purchased all of the cards. Unfortunately, he said, Oh, Bobby Orr is my favorite hockey player. And I, I, I thought to myself, oh, I can't get him a rookie Bobby Orr card. At four, six, I think one just recently sold for six grand or something. So I said, no, I can't do that. But I did buy him a Peyton rookie, a mid-grade Peyton rookie and and uh, and oh. some other stuff. Just just because I want other people to see the passion that's in there and to remind right. them we're all still kids in some sense. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've opened packs since 1965. The one thing I truly miss is going, you know, to a card, a physical card show, uh, card shop, and buy some packs of something. So I got to go at the Walmart, and I'm yeah. looking at this stuff. I have no clue what it is, and I'm saying, why am I spending ten dollars a pack to open up, you know, twenty cards or whatever? I don't even know half the people, you know, half the players. But uh, I fully, I, I get your story so clearly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, still, I still remember opening my first packs in 1965. It was mm. so. Would you would you be tempted to open that box of 63 flares? Oh no, that's if too was, expensive. If no I had way. money, I, I probably would open a few packs of a type of thing just to right. you know, just because. Uh, yeah, so I'm still no looking, way. I'm still looking somehow for a 65 tops pack to open, but it, you know I'm not going to blow five. Five, seven, you know, five thousand, six thousand, just to buy a pack and open it, type of thing. But it'd be Bob, oh, Bob the last sixty-five Tall Boy wax pack went for about uh, eighteen thousand. All right, so I, I take that. I mean, you know, what it I could, was, I could buy a, you know, a lot for twenty thousand dollars for crying out loud down here. Yeah. Was that was that sixty-five slabbed or was it a raw and BBCE or something? BBC. The PSA doesn't slab Tall Boy uh, oh, they packs. Don't. So it was uh, BBCE encapsulated and sealed. Right. Wow. So, but not PSA. It's so tempting. Uh, my body said it's so tempting to want to rip them open and just say, oh, yes. I don't know why. I have zero, zero, you know, uh, thoughts about opening wax. Uh, it's just, it never even, you know, it's not, you know, the telltale heart there, you know, for me. It's just, uh, you know, hey, this is a piece of history and it deserves to be preserved and, and held on to.
Uh, but you know what's funny in your bio, Paul? I mean, well, first of all, so many so many collectors follow the same route. Discover it as a child, walk away from it when they discover girls, and then something sparks them, you know, later on. And they're you know when they and it's usually when they have a little bit more discretionary income, you know, in their mid late twenties, and just so many people follow that same path. I followed that same path. I found myself smiling, you know, hearing your story. Uh, in your bio, you talk about the smell and the feel of the cards and how that's so important to you. And that resonated with me so much because just like I was telling someone in, in an article about like 1948 leaf cards, you know, first thing you do is smell it because like if a card's been soaked, you know, or doctored or something, there's a certain smell to it. But and so you just get used to that smell and the, 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 the tactile, the texture of a, you know, of a card. It's so important. Yeah. I really, I really liked how you put that in your bio. Yeah, definitely. Very uh, important. The, the Mexican set. I mean, you, you, uh, you, you Beetlejuiced, you know, the the Jim Ragsdale name there. So we, we've we've broken spades on it. Uh, Ragsdale is quoted in an old PSA article on the Mexi set as saying, "The largent is by far the most sought after." Well, first of all, I want to ask: Do you agree with him? And then, uh, you know, if, if you'd like to share a couple of your highlights from your Mexican collection. I get more questions about what's your largent look like? What's yes. your largent look like? So I have two sets, two complete sets. The first one I built um, before I even got the Medina set. And I'll just go ahead and call it the Medina set from, from Mexico straight. But the, I never seem to find... I never seem to have problems finding it, but I will say that there's more interest in that for some reason, why so many people love it. Maybe it's because it's regional and they love Largent and he was such a badass and he was so great. He was Paul, so you great. and I are friends. Paul, yeah. you and I are, you just became friends. Exactly. I've never by had, the way, well, yeah. in certain circles, what's your, what's your, what's your Largent look like as a euphemism? So just be careful what yeah. you're dealing with. Yeah, so we're, we're there are definitely some 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 rabid Seahawk fans out there, and and uh, when I saw that that wrong back Largent, I just I just flipped out, and I I posted it on the Facebook group that I'm a member of, Vintage Football Cards, and I said, check this out, and everyone was like, oh, I'll buy it, I'll buy it, I'll buy it. I'm like, That's not cool. for sale, guys, not for sale. I just want you all to see this because it is possible to see some of the coolest things, and this was one of the coolest things that I'd seen. So definitely, very cool. Um, I, I met Alex, Alejandro Medina's son. Alex is, is younger. He's maybe in his thirties. I met him and he mentioned to me that his dad was a collector and one thing led to another. And the next thing I knew, I had the full story about how he had collected as a kid, the same age as we were. And that's how, that's how we, uh, um, bonded over it. And that's how I convinced him to, passed the set on to me and as a as a as a consolation you know i just told him that i had no intention of ever selling the set i might part out one or two pieces of it but i had no intention of trying to sell it and flip it my main intention was to preserve it because it's a piece of history and what's more important it's it's there's a provenance on it that we can prove that it actually came it was the first one of these kids that built this and he had the same mentality that a lot of the kids like me had there's you buy it you collate you collect it you put it away 
And, and he didn't play with them. He just kept them in really good condition. They're not all perfect, but a lot of them are. So that was what was really shocking and really exciting to me when I first saw them. I asked him to send me a couple of pictures of the set before I bought it. And, and as soon as I saw him, I said, okay, let's close this. It's good. We're good. So uh, they were more than happy to pass it on to me because they knew that yeah. I was just as, as passionate <laughs> about it as Alejandro was when he was good. 10 and with the same age, everything happened the same. It was just, it was just perfect for, for it to come to me. And I'm so glad and fortunate that I have it. And I That's plan right. on keeping it until I, uh, I don't know, till I'm so old that <laughs> I can't see the cards anymore, probably. <laughs> I've got another 20 years, easily. Wow. <laughs> I want to try and, I want to try, I'm not super awesome with these, but I'm going to try and see if I can flip. Yes, I can. Okay. So here is from the article. Here is the no. blank. Yeah, so you can see that. That's the one that was featured in the article. Right. That's the one from the Bedina set. And then I'll pan over here. Here is the actual set itself. It wow. came to me in a, a 770, you know, card box. And I put it, of course, I put it in sheets. Like I said, it's not perfect, but it is complete. And then I pulled out some of the cards. Some of the checklists were checked and some of them weren't. Hmm. But I went ahead and pulled out some of the cards. That that's see. what your larger looks like. That's what you want. Yeah. So that's what came out. That's what came out of the set. And it's really nice. It's, you know, it's Mexican worn, as we call it. It's not overly loved. It wasn't played with. He didn't that do classic, anything. With that he classic AA, that AA yeah. hanging over larger. Yep. So, you know, these are just some examples of what was in the set. This what this card right here was featured in the article. Right. I believe, I don't know if this one was also, but this was one of the cards he sent me as a picture. And I yep. said, oh my goodness, I got to have that. This is awesome. This is awesome. And, you know, like I said, some of them were checked. Here's a couple of them. A couple of the okay. checklists were checked, but yet they were still in pretty good condition. He did what other kids did, like we did in the United States. We get the checklist and we check them off and we say, ah, Absolutely. we can accomplish. I did it. I did it. I did it. So, yeah, no, that's been really cool. And, um, I'm just so happy about it. Now, I did send Alex the Gridiron Greats magazine, the actual copy of it, just because I wanted to uh, I wanted to share it with him and make that's sure that very, he knew that. That's that it really classy of you. That's cool. Yeah, well, wow. I told him it would, and it was a big, big, important thing for me to, to make sure that he realized that I wasn't just BSing him, and I wanted to make yeah. sure he knew that, yeah, that this, this is real deal and that this is going to become – it. And you did the oh, humble, gracious thing. You gave a nod to him in the article, too. So, I mean, sure, I had to. Wonderful. Yeah, I had to. And especially since, like I said before, he's my age. And we did the same thing thousands of miles apart. It was amazing. Just an amazing mm -hmm. story. And I'm just so happy that that we were able to uh, to make the connection and be able to save the set. And, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff that comes up from Mexico that is pieced together or partial. And that is just be really beat Mexican loved as we call it as Jim would call it and it is just rounded corners beaten up folded like it was in somebody's pocket you know that kind of thing so anyway I do love the set however it is not my ultimate ultimate favorite piece which I have to say or, or pieces from my collection it was something that I began a run on tops from 
50 from 1950 up to 1979 because that was my goal and I broke out the Beckett's and I looked at it and I said what do I need and I started checking off I got this I have that I have this I have that and this and I fell on the Mexicans and I said yeah it's time I've got the money here we go one card at a time one card at a time wow, wow. I got I got a chance to meet all the all the top players in it especially Jim eBay Dave was another guy that was in it hmm Mike Chang out in Virginia. He's, I think he's the second or third on the PSA list. Yeah. You meet, meet everybody at a national or something or, you know, uh, I met Jim through eBay and, and then we, we started up yeah. a, a personal relationship, but it was, it was a long, it was, it must've been close to 20 years ago where I was buying cards from him and saying, we got to do this, or I want to do this, or I'm trying to build this and that. And he was helping me from the beginning. He, oh. if you talk to any of us, he helped more people build that set than anybody. Yeah. Uh, we just did a recent and, and lastly about the set and lastly about tops Mexicans. We just did a, um, a survey on the vintage football card uh, uh, <laughs> group on Facebook to see how many sets there are actually out there. And we came up with documented about 31 sets. And hmm. that's what? an existence with a, with a margin of error of maybe five. And of those five, we, we can't document it. There may be others that are, you know, uh, hidden in somebody's private collection. And there may be yeah. other people that may be saying they have sets, but don't haven't finished them. So, right. Oddly enough, the uh, the sealed, unopened wax boxes for 77 Mexi are, aren't as rare as you would think. Um, are, are most of those from Ragsdale's uh, unopened, you know, case find? They're still? they're. They're from the the original horde that was brought up in the I think it was in the '90s, and then he distributed. I think his name was Steve. I don't quote me on that, but he was the one that that distributed out a lot of of these cases. And Ragsdale, I believe, bought several of those cases. And from what we most of us are collecting now, and most of us are building our sets off of, are what Ragsdale got from that guy. And yes, you know, ten years ago, you could buy a a, a box for for $250, but you have to, oh, wow. you have to keep in mind that a box, a sealed box, there's only 72 cards in there right. and there's two cards in each, each pack. And there's a hundred percent chance that one of the cards is going to have a gum stain on it because there's two cards. And I one didn't know that they went two cards to a wax pack. I didn't yeah. know that. That's so interesting. You, yeah. And you think about when, when you're a kid in the United States and you're collecting and there's 14 or 13 or 12 cards in a set, I had more yeah. of a chance building a set much quicker it took alejandro a year to build the set and he was buying all over mexico city he was you know a fluent family so he had the money but him and his cousins they were going all over mexico city to the different places that sold them and he was buying these these packs and there was only two cards in each pack and he would and he would just keep going until he finally found it and at the end he told me that he had a garbage bag full of extras yeah. you know and of course, I was like, "Really? Ding. I was like, what, what happened to the garbage bag full of the extras?" He's like, "I don't know." He goes, "I gave them to my cousins, and I never saw them again." Oh no! But you know, logically, you would think that it probably took him several thousand cards, several thousand packs. But was oddly was enough, Alejandro was Alejandro a football fan, or was he a, he, a he was one of those kids? Collector. He liked that. He liked sports, but he was also one of those kids that was heavily influenced by the idea that. Oh, look at that. It's in the store. I'm going to buy it. And then as soon as the flavor went away, you know, that exciting thing of the week went away. 
the next thing would come up and then somebody else would, you know, they would say, Oh, now we're going to, we're, we're offering football cards or we're now we're offering hockey cards or we're rocking and yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever came out, that's what the kids would buy. That's how he described it to me. The, I think the biggest sad part about, or the hardest part about it for Alex was, or Alejandro was that the, the price of the packs were 20 cents for two cards in a piece of gum, same price we were paying in the United States same price but we were getting five times as many cards and this kid was spending you know all of his money or all of his money from his grandmother he said his grandmother gave him a lot of money she would slip him pesos all the time and say here go go have fun go have fun go have fun what a great what a great family to do that for him and then you know when he he became old and and like we said he discovered girls he took all the cards and put them in a shoebox like a lot of us did yeah yeah Luckily, he didn't. He he organized them by by teams, but he did not do what a lot of kids did, where they put rubber bands on them. He put string around them, which is something that I did also because I realized that the rubber bands were going to leave some kind of trace on them, where they would break and they dry out. So so he did that. He put them in a closet, and it was moved to one of their farmhouses. Like I said, it's an affluent family, uh, and his aunt was cleaning out a closet a couple of years ago, and she said, "What is this?" And she opened it and saw the cards and sent them to him and she said do you want these and he said yeah sure and he gave them to his son and said here maybe you could sell this for us and so uh they sold it and their only intention was let's take and alejandro's intention was i'll take all the money and i'll take my entire extended family to las vegas for a week and have a have a great vacation and that's that's what they did so it's just a really cool story and you know bob i really appreciate you for um for putting it in the magazine as part two, Jim and I were really adamant about doing it mainly because we wanted more people to be aware of the set. And also because the story is just incredible. Alejandro, it's incredible. It's just an incredible story. Truly, truly amazing story. And, and, and actually, you know, hearing you say it makes it even, even more, you know, you can write all you can write, but <laughs> you know, here, if you verbalize the story and you actually hear it, it it's an amazing story to tell. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. It, it's yeah. just, oh, great, yeah. great, great, great. It's a great um, point of football card history that's been preserved. And that, that to me, is what it's all about. I mean, yeah. in all seriousness, I mean, it's just a, a phenomenal piece, a phenomenal yeah. set at the same time. I mean, I got a handful of Mexican, Mexican cards. The only thing I tried to do was to collect the Packers, and I probably got maybe four or five Packer cards and uh, the checklist for man, that's a, that's fine with me. I mean, I knew I, I was never going to collect it. I'm kind of surprised, though. I figured there was probably only less than probably 20 sets or less in existence. So when you said 31, I thought that was pretty, um, That that's probably it, probably more like it. And, you know, and like you said, there's always something. You never know somebody has it buried in the house or whatever or collect a private collector. Um, you know, they that's maybe, why, yeah. And that's why I would emphasize that there's a margin of error, of maybe five, you know, plus yeah. or minus five. And, you know, I'm talking with participants included um, uh, some major players like Jorge Leal, who is who is out of Monterey, Mexico, who has yeah. five sets. And he is a he's a huge supplier to a lot of people in the United States. He's an adamant collector. He's a little bit younger than most of us, but he's an adamant collector. And he's he's found a way to to bring people in Mexico 
to bring all the cards that they can they want and he brokers them for them and then he sells them to people in the united states or he builds sets himself he's very very important in it another person is mike hatley who is also from touchdown treasures he's also somebody who's also an incredible collector and and uh, by just by proxy i mean look at all the stuff that that guy has in his collection and, and what he sells it's amazing but he's also been pretty fundamental to a lot of us to collect but I got to say, the guru, Jim Ragsdale, definitely. I think Mike Hadley a decade ago reached out to me and was like, I have a the large and an 8.5. Would you be interested? And uh, it's probably I cheap. Price, I think at the price point, I was like, you know, I'll stick with my eight. Uh, yeah. You know, um, but yeah, it's pretty rare. Who's Who's got the one? Because it's what, like six PSA eights, one 8.5 and one nine in the large card, correct? And yeah. we're going to think we're going to assume that it, it's it's most likely it's Ragsdale that yeah, has uh, yeah. is, is that not public? Uh, no, his is on the PSA registry is number one. And uh, I know that he's he's been trying to uh, trying to find the elusive 10 because there are no 10s, but he is trying to get them all nines. There's a couple of eights that he has in his set, but most of them are nines. Almost all of them are nines. And when you talk 528 cards, you were talking a lot, a serious investment. And he's yeah. touched more cards than anybody. You know, he's had in his possession probably close to 30,000. You know, the whole production run was probably a tenth of what we saw in the United States. Right. He's yeah. there, there's still uh, uh, several cards that have, you know, max, max grade is a seven. The yeah. gains, one of the one of the you know the 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 bad four, yeah. the number four card number twenty one has three sevens, none higher. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. Mike Pruitt, who was a huge fan of the Cleveland Browns, Mike and Greg sure, sure. Pruitt, back in Mike the day, Greg, yeah, uh, six PSA sevens, none higher, and then Drew Pearson, twenty PSA sevens, none higher. So that, yeah. that shows you how difficult they are. And I didn't look where those correlated to where they are on the sheet, but I mean the sheet was different than the the United States, the Estados Unidos set. It was, yeah. somebody told me it was perforated, but I, I find that hard to believe. The, the, I think the reason that they brought down uh, perforated sheets to, to Mexico was because they were giving secondhand equipment to the, to the factory down there as a, oh. as a run, sort of like an experiment saying, well, we're not going to give you the best equipment because we don't know how long this is going to last. So we're just going to send you what we have and right. we can't send you a sheet cutter. We're going to send you perforated sheets that we have left over from another set. Here you go. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to collate, which is one of the reasons why there were they were hand collating, which is another reason why when you buy a box with the anticipation you're going to get a whole bunch of cards different, you might get 20 or 30 cards of the same person. <laughs> and they were hand collated, especially as quality group. control. As the year went on, quality control at the beginning was probably pretty good. When Alejandro was collecting, he was able to get a lot of different cards in the first run. I don't think it was the first run, but in the first uh, months of it. But as the time went on, uh, quality control decreased and people just cared less. The ones that were packing the cards cared less. And then diversity went out the door. When someone asks me now, oh, I should buy a pack or I should, I'm thinking about buying a box and just cracking it. And I think I can get a Peyton rookie or I can get a larger rookie or, or not a Peyton rookie, but a, a larger rookie or a Peyton second year or something really great. Uh, and you're like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Cause there's a, there's a 99% chance. You're not going to get anything. Except yeah. common. They're all going to be the same. And, and so, a gum stick. 
Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And, and so the production qualities went down and we're looking at it like, like it's, we, you know, it, what's left here is, is very minimal. Hmm. Uh, anybody out there that wants to collect, you know, you got to, got to deal with the big people and you have to have, I hate, I hate to say this, but you have to have deep pockets, especially if you want to try to build the whole set, which is why a lot of people just build teams or build players, you know, and just try to choose. It's, it's more economical. It can be more fun because this is a tedious set to build. Um, I just had, we just, we just had a, a person graduate from partial set to complete set. Matt Dunaway, if you're out there, yeah. Uh, <laughs> He just finished his and uh, it took him one year. So, yeah. And it was a lot. It was an endeavor. It was definitely an endeavor because he collects all the other football cards too. And he's building sets left and right. But this Matt, Matt, subscribe to Gridiron Greats magazine. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I, you know, I, I, I've told him and I've sent him, I've sent him forwards on, on the articles and stuff and said, yeah, this is a really cool article or a really cool magazine. So definitely, you're going to boost membership on your own. I love it. Well, Thank you, Paul. What we're trying to do is we're trying to make sure that people realize that it's not just baseball and cards out there. When I was a kid and everybody was collecting baseball, I said, "Nope, not going to do it. I got to have football. Got to have football." I always so, Paul. Moving along here, um, yes. what are your what show us or t- describe your top uh, items in your collection? What we were going to say? I did build a little. A little uh, homage to my favorite player of all time. So let me uh, let me flip I this around. That. that was so cool. Some so, uh, items that I think are familiar to me. I'm not sure because if, if you remember, this is a this is a poster from uh, this is the Walter Payton poster from yes. uh, the back of the uh, uh, Sports Illustrated magazines. They used to offer these, and I probably got it for a couple of bucks. And yep. I've had it 1978, and it's been on every wall in every house that I've ever lived in. I loved that is it because so good looking. His, his feet aren't touching the ground. He's floating. He's floating. So that's probably my favorite piece, although it's not an actual, you know, football card or anything, but it still is my favorite piece. Another one right here is obviously the 65 Namath. I got this from a woman who pulled this from a pack in 65. And this is the butterfly. It's not in perfect condition, but I hmm. love it because of the provenance. I got it from a woman who loved it. Oh, really she, cool. He's a very big time collector. Here's another piece that I really love. This is one of those market com, market com test blanks. Yeah. Um, I've only seen one or two of these. Um, this is the only one I've seen of Walter Payton. There's another one somebody had on eBay for a while, but I love this little, I love this little poster. I've had it for a long, long time. I don't remember where I got it, but it's priceless to me. Um, and then this one right here is obviously the 72 um, high number set. I love how they did the, uh, I love, 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 love how they did the all pros in those. I got this from a young couple whose father was, was dying and they needed the money. And they, uh, they asked $50 for 50 cards from the set. And I said, no, I can't do that. And I gave them whatever the market value was just as a karma thing, you know, just because I didn't think that it was right that I would under, undersell them. And then here we go. This is the one card I think is probably the funnest card to me. Dan yep. Boyd, 74. Why do I love this? And why is there such, why is there such an, an enigma behind this card? I, there's rumor. There's a there's an urban myth that says yeah. that he bought up all the cards to, to <laughs> the market. I, 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 
real true story about that card. He wrote to me and he said, I'll buy all my cards. And I said, okay. And I, I sent him some and I said, listen, I'll, I'll just give them to you because I, 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 you know, you're you. Just send me a card and uh, autograph it and, uh, you know, we'll call it even type of thing. And he, he wrote back and he says, I don't autograph any of them. And he put a few, I don't even know what he gave me. He gave me like a $5 bill for what I found back then because they weren't really that. And I'm talking back in the 80s, early 90s, he, he uh, wrote to me and asked me about it when I was a little back in bed. So, yeah, he's a cool guy. I like him. I like yeah. him. Is that true? The rumor is true? Is he yeah, and his family he are scarfing He put as many cards as he possibly could. He wanted to control his cards. That's, so fun. That's one way to do it. And for me, looking at the card, the Band-Aid on the head, the shaved head, the yep. look, that's just true football right there. Yep. And I looked at it and said, gosh, I want to look like that when I play football. Never. Yep. But that's cool. And then the last thing that I really love is something that I'm working on that I've been working on, 68 test teams. I yep. only need a few more. And then the 68 test patches. Yep. I need about 16 of those. But I love these. I think these are some of the coolest cards that, that Topps ever made from 68. And unfortunately, there's not very many of them. And I heard that a lot of them ended up in a landfill, um, hmm. jumped away because they couldn't sell them or something. But yeah. anyway, those are my favorites. Um, I love, of, of the other ones, I do love all the inserts, 60, yep. 61. I've worked on a lot of those, the funny rings, the 67 pennants, the 65 rub-offs, the 62 bucks, the 64. Oh, wow. Yeah, you I've are got all that. What's that? You are a collector, sir. Well, I, I love all the inserts. And if I'm going to do a run, I need to have all of them, right? So I, that's that's my thing. And, and that's what I'm working on right now. Um, but, yeah, look, he's floating. People, look, he's floating. It's sweetness. He's floating. Yeah. That's well, what I your, your passion is contagious, my man. I love this. That's this true. is outstanding. It's funny. Those posters are making a resurgence. Uh, about a week ago on VFC, our, our vintage football chat, somebody talked about a poster. I forget what it was, Bob, but then I went out and bought the Steve Largent, yep. uh, the Seahawk poster, which yep. has left-handed Zorn and Steve Largent catching. Yep. And I had that same poster hanging in my room and went and got it framed, and now it hangs in my office. So, so I'm just you, childhood memory. You did go as far as getting it matted and framed? Yeah, not matted. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not made of money, but. You know, <laughs> so I, this this one right here, like I said, it's been with me since 78. Uh, when we went to when we went, were stationed in Cairo, that went with me. It was on my wall. Uh, I, went, wow. I went I went to prep school in Maryland in uh, to finish high school. And yes, that was on my wall. It survived. Same, same all over. one or have you had to uh, have you had That's to wrap the same it? one? That is the that is the same one. It is beaten up, but it's mine. You know, it's mine. So um I thought about maybe, you know, making it a permanent thing. It's not, I don't, obviously I, I staged this for the, for the show, but it's, it's across the, it's usually across the room in another section of my office and it sits in, in, in its, on its shrine there. And that's where I look at it. Cause I can see it from my computer when I'm working and I, I just love it, man. It's Peyton. It's sweetness. I got a chance to see him at soldier field play when I did. And what do you get? How are you not going to love this guy? Hey, Paul, can you show our viewers your Walter Payton tattoo, please? <laughs> hey, Paul, we're, we're, we're running out of time, so we're going to unfortunately, we're going to have to skip around a little. Uh, to sure. your, your segment, 
Uh, any advice for a beginning collector? And I think we're going to have to have you back on because you still got a lot more to talk about. So Yeah. So I would say the only advice that I would think of for uh, young collectors, do not hesitate. If you see something you want, do not hesitate because of the price. Buy it. If you see it and you want it, buy it. Don't worry about the price. Buy what you love and, and just be just get it. Because if you if you pass it up, you're going to be sitting at home going, oh, I should have bought that. I should have bought that. I should have bought that. And regret Paul, is. Paul, is that in reference? Is that in reference to that 63 Fleer wax box? So you're saying wow. I should have bought that? <laughs> oh, I would I would be so tempted. Just like the just like the three point seven million dollar uh, OPG 79, 80 uh, box. Yeah. yeah. Just are we allowed to talk about this? But how much did HA make on that commission? To, to oh, I, I shut the window down, but I I, I want to say at twenty percent. I think they tier the, the commission, you know, the vig at, at a certain rate. But yeah, they probably made you know four hundred thousand dollars on that. Ouch, easily. Yeah, twenty percent is a couple million. And, yeah. and unfortunately, you know, there's probably thirty Gretzky rookies in there, and that then they they averaged that there were probably at least about thirty in that that set or then that group in that box. But you can't open it; you have to leave it like it is. You have to. Hundred percent agree. Uh, yeah, Art. not many want, of those popping up. You want to flood the market, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Oh. We're pretty much out of time. I really thank you for being out. What a great story. I, I mean, this this. <laughs> memories for me for Grand Allo with everything and the, seeing the inserts and so on and so forth and the for sure. story about the Mexican set is just it's just so great and uh, again over the years with the magazine we've had different articles on it we had Jim on the podcast years ago also yeah. and uh, he's a great guy and uh, I'm glad I'm really glad you're the holder of that set for yes. Mexico I can't think of a better collector a true collector like yourself holding it and preserving it. That's what the hobby's all about. I wish there were more guys like you in, yeah. all in the hobby. Paul, Paul, you've been an amazing guest. I got to say, your your passion and your smile is contagious, man. I think I'm going to be Cheshire catting for the rest of the day after talking to you. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys letting me uh, showcase some of my great loves. Sweetness! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Hey, hey what, what's your largest look like, Paul? Please, uh, a quick warning. Uh, uh, hand it off to you. 30 seconds. Oh, outstanding. Just, Paul, amazing guy. I, I can't thank you enough for being on. I, I, yeah, I've got the best seat in the house talking to, you know, guests and the captain here every week. So thanks, thanks for being on. Lots of fun. Magazine, love the magazine so much. Thank you for for bringing that out to the world. It's awesome. It's a gift to the hobby. Gift to the hobby. words and thank you for being on. That's all we have. Hopefully, we'll be back right. with another show. If you're not a subscriber to Gridiron Greats Magazine, what are you, what waiting, are you for? waiting for? GridironGreatsMagazine.com. And that's it. We'll see, see you. Bye bye.